This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of Fight Back on Zoomer Radio. Heard weekdays from noon to one. Now, Fight Back with Libby Snymer on Zoomer Radio. Good afternoon and welcome. It's time for our Tuesday strategy panel. And as always, there's a lot to talk about, starting on Parliament Hill, where we learned that the Prime Minister's former Principal Secretary, Gerald Butts, is back. The Conservatives have tried to make this into a big issue, saying it means that we're going to see more lab scams. And it's true. This comes as SNC-Lavalin seems to have faded from public consciousness. But my question is, any chances that this resonates with the actual voting public? Uh, Let's have a listen to what they were saying about it. This week's news tells us a lot about Justin Trudeau. The lab scam bully is in and the principled women who spoke truth to power are out. Okay, well, we knew that. So people out there, the question again is, uh, does this resonate with you? I'm sure you all remember the SNC-Lavalin scandal, but uh, I think it's kind of faded. But I want you to let us know the numbers to call 416-360-0740, toll-free 1-866-744-740. With us today, John Capobianco, Senior Vice President and Senior Partner, Fleischman Hillard High Road. He's our Conservative, Alim Kanji, Vice President of Government Relations, Sutherland Corporation. Uh, he's nonpartisan. That's right. Uh, so we're here. And uh, Charles Bird, managing partner of Ernst Cliff Strategy Group in Toronto, and he is a liberal. So we will begin with you, Charles. Is is this uh, a pain point for the liberals? Well, I actually watched Pierre Poliver's uh, press conference yesterday morning, and uh, it was fairly lackluster. And I have to say the media asked him more questions about his party's misbegotten position on the Canada Food Guide than they did on Gerald Butts. But let me let me say this about Gerald, who I've known for a number of years. Um, he is one of the preeminent campaign strategists of our time. He has successfully navigated both provincial and federal campaigns. He is a master of running campaigns that are rooted in policies and ideas. And I'm, I'm not surprised that the Conservatives are ter- terribly upset at his reemergence because uh, he was one one of the chief architects of the come behind victory in 2015 that saw Stephen Harper uh, uh, outed from power and Justin Trudeau became when Justin Trudeau became prime minister. And um, yeah, so it's it's interesting to see this kind of faux outrage generated over a former staffer to the prime minister. And um, but it it also speaks. Wait, wait, he took the fall for SNC-Lavalin. And behind all of that is something that the Liberals make a great deal of when they look at the provincial Conservatives, and that is the concentration of power in the Prime Minister's office in people who are unelected. So I guess the question is, uh, do you think the people out there are going to care about this or mm, totally not? 
Well, as my grandmother used to say, the proof of the pudding is in the tasting, and that's really for individual voters to decide. But I, I will say that you know, being prime minister or being premier is a very, very difficult role to play. Um, it requires really top quality advisors surrounding you. It has to be folks that you trust implicitly. And in the case of Gerald Butts, he and the prime minister go back to college days. Um, they've been firm and fast friends for the past 30 years. And you could not hope to have a more trusted advisor for the prime minister than Gerald Butts. And I, for one, am delighted that he'll be central to the Liberal campaign, or at least part of the Liberal campaign. Mm -hmm. Well, it sounds the relationship uh, sounds not that different from the relationship of Dean French and Doug Ford. Alim, uh, do you think this, this is something, have, have the Conservatives found something that they can run with? You know, I would be shocked if we didn't see a campaign, uh, you know, less than 100 days from now um, with with the opposition, the Conservatives, the NDP, and I think to a lesser extent, the Green Party, who I believe are going to have uh, a phenomenal run uh, this October. I would be surprised if they didn't use the whole issue of ethics, trust and accountability as their issue to define this election on. So... With Mr. Butts being back uh, in running the campaign, as he did uh, a number of years ago, um, and back in that inner circle, they're going to leverage that as, as their sort of opportunity to say, you know what, enough of these guys, it's time for us. Now, whether this issue has, has resonance or not, I can tell you that um, certainly in my work, um, in, in dealing with the, the province of Quebec and doing some work out there, uh, it's still an issue. You know, SNC is is still an issue, um, almost akin to the pipeline debate in Alberta. You know, these are regional issues. And so, you know, if they can define the issue of trust and accountability as the defining issue, the ballot box issue of this election, um, they've, they've got a shot. I think the polls are very tight right now. Uh, and I think um, I think the Liberals are going to run on it, the economy, uh, and they're going to to run on on what they've achieved over the last four years, from health and education to infrastructure spending, and everything comes down to the economy. So Canadians will decide what that means and and uh, where they want to go. John Capobianco, is this a, a winning issue for the Conservatives? Um, I think it can be, uh, and, and I think it speaks to to a narrative uh, that that the Conservatives are going to try to draw. Uh, regarding tr regarding the prime minister and his government about about trust and about honesty about you know fulfilling uh, election promises and and what he campaigned on you know almost four years ago which was you know a new government new hope and opportunity and and change which I think we've we've you know no one has seen hence the polling numbers for him dropping um, but this is an issue and I would and I would say to Charles you know uh, and I get and listen I know I know Gerald uh, and and I like him too. Um, but you know he resigned for a reason, and the prime minister accepted his resignation for a reason. Um, and you know, and, and I would say to Charles, you know, if Dean French was to come back uh, and help out Doug Ford in a year's time from now, or in a time, would he have the same uh, sort of opinion of, of that? Um, but here's the issue, I think, uh, quite frankly, Libby, and that is, you know, why the Liberals. Knowing that bringing Gerald back is going to cause S and C Lavalin to get back into the uh, into the uh, news cycle, as we've seen it happen now for the last 24, 48 hours, uh, is beyond me. And I and I get that uh, Gerald is a good friend of of the prime ministers and is an strategist. And, but he's good at what needed. he does, and this well, is the height of, of summer. 
Uh, but yeah. of course he is. And, and at the end of the day, you know, uh, someone would have said, you know, we're going to bring him back and we're going to publicize the fact that we brought him back because obviously somebody you know, was, was, was proud to be able to, 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 to let the media know that he was part of that meeting that happened. Um, knowing that it's going to be, so I don't blame Pierre uh, and the Conservatives for jumping on this. In fact, you know, Jagmeet Singh uh, was getting some press out of it as well because this is an issue that... Even Jagmeet Singh getting some press, okay. <laughs> well, that's what I'm saying. He, he was even on TV getting some press on this. So you got to know that it's newsworthy. Um, but but I think, you know, this is an issue that severely damaged the Prime Minister and his brand. Uh, and I think they were more than happy to see it go away, uh, as it did, you know, for the last couple of months. But to have this back on, and now it's going to be continue to be back on. So I think it's damaging to them, and I think the public is going to be reminded of what happened with SNC-Lavalin, and that's not going to help the party's brand. Okay. Uh but while we're on the subject of the issue of, of ethics, and uh, as Charles Bird pointed out just before we went on air, who better to talk on, about the ethics of having lobbyists involved than three lobbyists? But, <laughs> but here we go. The Globe and Mail reporting this morning that, that two of Ford's closest advisors, uh, who started government relations companies, i.e., lobbyist companies and who have big clients are still in his inner circle. Uh, Charles Bird, is that a problem? Well, I should say at the outset by way of transparency that I am in fact a government yeah. relations practitioner, exactly. aka a lobbyist, yeah. and I have registered with the Ontario Lobbyist Registry as is required by law. Um, I will say this, if you want to help run the government, then go into government. If you want to represent clients, then follow the rules. I think this is a real problem for the Ford government. I think the premier is smart enough to realize that this is a very serious problem. It runs counter to his brand. It runs counter to a lot of the things he talked about in the election. And I think he's, I think we'll see him taking fairly swift action fairly quickly. The other thing about these kinds of stories is uh, that they uh, usually generate more stories. And I know the chattering classes out there are already speculating as to all manner of things. I mean, for instance, would the lobbyists in question be involved in trying to determine who the premier's next chief of staff should be? Were the lobbyists privy to conversations where they might have been listening in and government officials might not have known that they were there? If a government official receives a call from one of these individuals, uh, neither of whom I know, um, then, um, you know, is it the premier's business or is it the client's business? And if that government official doesn't isn't entirely sure of the answer, then there's a huge problem. And I, I honestly think that the Premier will be acting on this in fairly short order because he has to. Do you agree with that, Aleem? So, you know, the, the Premier said, and actually full disclosure as well, uh, before we start on this, I am a registered lobbyist. Um, yeah, and, and, and John on the line is also. We all play well. We all play well in the same uh, sandbox um, uh, together. Um, but you know, uh, municipally, uh, uh, provincially, and federally uh, as well. Um, and you know, if you if you look at the rules, and they are very different federally than they are provincially. Um, you have a longer ban um, if you have worked in Ottawa, Parliament Hill, uh, in terms of, of of lobbying. And what we see uh, is, is over the years is you've seen folks that have worked in Ottawa. Uh, for a federal government, be that a liberal government or a conservative government, that have come to Toronto to work at Queen's Park to help their party get elected. And, you know, 
the two gentlemen uh, that the the uh, Globe article talks about this morning were both senior uh, staffers for the Harper government. Yep. We just talked a minute ago about Gerald Butts, and, and Charles reminded us that uh, yeah, he was a senior staffer to former Premier Dalton McGuinty uh, before we saw him move to Ottawa to help uh, his friend uh, uh, Justin Trudeau become uh, get elected. So this stuff happens. Uh, it happens, and there is an inner circle of people that advise, um, that that uh, um, put uh, thought leadership forward uh, in both parties uh, to help their team get elected. It happens all the time, uh, and there are rules uh, to follow. And um, you know, we heard the premier talk about it this morning and say, um, you know, they're following the rules. They they they're going to let the. Uh, integrity commissioner and the lobbyist registrar administer those rules and perhaps bring in tighter rules. Um, but my sources are telling me uh, this morning and when this story leaked out last night, uh, there will be more to this that will come forward. Uh, and we will be seeing uh, other stories around this uh, that, that that come forward that there always are that could uh, that could potentially damage the brand uh, of of the premier and so uh, he'll have to decide where he wants to go with that and tighten the rules uh, or not. Um, there's a one year law being banned uh, uh, provincially. There's a five year ban federally. So things like that may get uh, rejigged. Uh, you might see an opposition party. We've got a liberal uh, uh, campaign provincially in March uh, of next year. They may come forward with ideas of their own on how to tighten the system uh, to promote trust and accountability. We'll have to wait and see where this goes. But um, this is a, this is going to be a slow drip, as we call it in our business, of information that comes out around uh, this issue. Uh, and there is more to come. Make no mistake. John Capobianco? Yeah, uh, I, I I agree with Aleem on 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 sort of the, on, on what he was saying about sort of the the rules and regulations. Uh, you know, I too obviously I'm, I'm a lobbyist and and I also ran uh, for a number of years the Public Affairs Association of Canada, uh, which is an association of uh, of government relations professionals uh, and and communicators and others in the public affairs space. And in uh, in my term as as president for the last number of years, close to eight years. Um, I dealt with commissioners and, and lobbyist registrars, not only federally, but also in Ontario and across across Canada and other provinces, and, and I've been working with them uh, on rules and regulations uh, for, for lobbying. And, you know, one of the things that I think is important to note, and, and even the, the federal uh, lobbyist commissioner and even, even Judge Wake, our, our uh, commissioner here in Ontario, always say that lobbying is legitimate and an important part of the public policy process. Um, and, and that's something that's important to note, because I think, you know, those of us that are in this industry are usually ones that have been involved politically over the course of a number of years. So it's not unusual for those of us that are in this space to have either been a candidate or have been an elected official or have worked on numerous campaigns. So it only stands to note that you would, you know, you would obviously continue to help um, politicians and others uh, in that space because that's, you know, the livelihood and, and, and what you've yep. done and, and what you do well. But, but that said, though, Libya, that's why there are rules. Uh, so that's why the federal, in fact, I think it was under Stephen Harper, uh, federally, that he put in some of the more stringent uh, rules around lobbying. Okay, but uh, even, John, let me, even if you're following the rules, if you've got a guy who set up his own company after being successful in helping Doug Ford get elect, elected, and he's advising Ford and, and has his ear on all kinds of things, and then one of his 
employees, not him, goes with a client to lobby on something that he's been involved with. Does that pass the smell test? Well, there are rules for that. And, and, and quite frankly, you know, they, both of them apparently have, have checked with the integrity commissioner. They wouldn't have started their businesses if they, if they weren't allowed to. And, and there's a cooling off period, I think, as Alima mentioned. In Ottawa, it's five years, and it's the full term of an election. Here, it's a year. Um, but that said, I also give confidence to staff and to politicians that they're not going to be swayed by by any one person on on policy decisions. Like, I, but but I do agree that the optic and the perception is not good, and the fact that the story is out there is not helpful to uh, to the premier, without a doubt. And the story that he would rather not have to deal with. Um, uh, but I do think that there are rules, and I do think that they, um, you know, 99.9% of lobbyists do follow the rules and register and do all the things that they need to do uh, and check in with, with, with their respective lobbyist commissioners to make sure that they follow the rules. So I think that if you're playing within the rules and you're doing that, then, then you're fine. But, but again, that's the reality of it. And I know you're speaking about the optics and the perception, and, and without a doubt, it, it, the perception is always negative when these kinds of stories happen, and it doesn't help the, the sitting government. And I think he'd like to move on, and, and, and I'm sure that, um, that there'll be rules put in place to, to, uh, to fix this moving forward. Okay, I want to give the numbers out again, because uh, people, one thing that I really want to know out there, are these two things a little too inside baseball for you to be paying attention to, or maybe uh, it's too soon in the process, we're in the height of summer? Are, are these things that you are going to take as a, a, a something that is a sign and an emblem of how these governments are conducting business, or is it like, meh? Uh, so the numbers to call 416-360-0740, toll free 1-866-744-740. We've been talking about the return of Gerald Butts, the former principal, principal secretary to the prime minister, guy who took the fall for SNC-Lavalin, and, and in general is a symbol of an unelected backroom guy having a whole heck of a lot of power. Uh, provincially, we saw that with Dean French, who is gone for the moment, maybe. Who knows? And uh, we've also heard news about uh, lobbyists who are some of the Premier's closest advisors. So we want to hear from you on that. 416-360-0740, toll-free 1-866-744-740. Let's hear from Brian and Mimico. Hey, Brian. Hi, Libby. Uh, Yeah, you had to know this was going to happen anyway, because when he left, you have to figure he's still around covertly, and for the election they're going to bring him in overtly to to run things, because let's face it, he's the brains. Justin does not have the brains or intellect of the man who raised him. He's got the brains and intellect of his flower child, baby factory, mother. That oh, oh come on, we that's, that's, um, that's a little, uh, I would say that's very harsh and perhaps a little sexist. And, but it is you know, a reality. I don't know. And, and you know what? In terms of Justin Trudeau, I, I, uh, I will say this about him. I think he's got pretty far by people really underestimating him. Uh, so thanks for your call, Brian, but I'm going to let our, our guys here respond to that. Let me just say one of the things the Conservatives were fond of saying in 2015 was about Justin was too much mom, not enough dad. 
And it was an allusion to just what Brian was referring to on the call there, which is this notion that he's not smart enough to actually do the job of prime minister. But let me tell you, he was he was smart enough to go toe to toe with Thomas Mulcair and Stephen Harper during um two, I'm sorry, three leaders debates. He has been emblematic of a new type of Canada in the world community, which has been of uh, tremendous credit to this country after years of climate change denial and uh, regression on environmental issues. Um, and I think his re-election in the fall will uh, hopefully put those doubts to rest once and for all. You know, I, I think this election, as, as all elections do federally, go through um, Ontario and Quebec. And if you look at the seat distribution and the amount of seats at play, um, and, you know, we've basically got um, a total of uh, 338, I think that's the number, Charles, mm -hmm. total seats in Ottawa. And, uh, and they're split amongst all the parties. So who can grab the most of those uh, seats will, will form the government. And I think the challenge will be um, for for uh, any party to to show that that they they are going to be in command and have a majority, the challenge in in Ontario, I think right now is is the the bleeding of the issue around trust and accountability and what has affected um, in in more recent times the premier's office. You talked about some of those issues earlier, Libby, and will voters in their minds think that? We, we can't afford to give that trust to one party in, in particular and give them the keys to, to do what they want. And this is where this whole uh, idea of a minority government could come into play and even a coalition government. And so I think that has uh, um, uh, real um, uh, ability to happen in, 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 uh, in the fall. Um, and I talked about the other province and that's Quebec. And we, we talked about this earlier, but the SNC issue still sticks there. Uh, they feel, the people in Quebec, that, um, that the prime minister is not doing enough to protect jobs and to, you know, create a healthy economy the same way our friends in Alberta feel the same way, uh, because a pipeline just and of course, most, most, most SNC jobs are outside of Quebec. Let's uh, hear from Pat in Georgetown. Hey, Pat. Hi, Libby. How are you? Fine. Great. You must get tired of being asked that question. At any rate, yeah, I'm you're right. I'm this. still fine. <laughs> <laughs> I'm calling about this Gerald Butts thing, and I don't think this is ever going to go away. I mean, that was a big faux pas on the part of uh, the prime minister, and I really don't think that he's going to get reelected because I listen to all the people that I talk to about here and about his politics, about the SNC level, and about the. Uh, the two who, who had to leave Parliament and all the other problems in there about the things. I have a son in Alberta who has a restaurant, and believe me, he says business is, is very difficult out there. And, and, and the, whole, the whole thing that he has not done in the last four years and the scandals that he has done in the last four years, the man, as far as I'm concerned, doesn't have a brain in his head. And if Gerald Butts goes back in with him, he's the one that gave us Dalton McGinty, isn't he? And what, look what Dalton McGinty did to Ontario. And I really think that, um, you know, if Gerald Butts goes back in there with, with whatever persuasion he has over the prime minister, which has to be terrific, we will end up in the same um, uh, areas as, uh, as, as Ontario. 
Okay. So, you know, Pat, Quebec Pat. has the problems. They all have the problems. But this man has done nothing for Canada, and his sunny ways have gone way down. Way uh, down. Bef- I, I'm going to let Aleem respond to you, but before that, uh, I'm guessing that you're a lifelong conservative. Is that more or less right? Uh, well, no, it wasn't. Okay. <laughs> you know, I nice was. Time. I was a liberal, liberal, but between Gretchen and uh, and a few of the others, I have turned into being a conservative, and uh, and I and I think that the way that they're portraying Sheer uh, is is, um, is is just terrible. I think give the man a chance. Uh, we certainly gave this young fool a chance. So <laughs> give a man with uh, maybe a little bit better experience a chance, or something that, you know, maybe doesn't have sunny ways, but has more um, um, stability or whatever. Okay, Pat, I, th- I think we get your I drift. I agree with Pat. But <laughs> <laughs> Thanks for your call, Pat. Here, yes. Here's the reality with Pat, you know, and, and she, you know, obviously very candid, and, and I think we all know where she stands. And very articulate. On, the, on uh, you know, her, her school of thought. But here's the reality. Um, she's calling, I think she was identified as calling from uh, from Georgetown. And this is exactly the area uh, and these seats in this 905 region, be that in places like Peel uh, or Halton or Durham, where we're going to see some changes, uh, I believe, in, in October. There's a solid base of, of liberal seats in the 416, in the city of Toronto proper, uh, and and uh, and some NDP seats as well uh, there. Um, but there could be some flip-flopping. And we saw it last year uh, in the provincial elections. We saw six seats turn from um, uh, liberal uh, to conservative uh, in Mississauga alone. And there's an area and there's an opportunity uh, for uh, for other parties to look at um, making a debt based on, you know, uh, her thoughts and, and feelings. There's an opportunity for other parties uh, to pick up uh, support. And I, I would extend that uh, in the further regions outside the GTA to the Green Party uh, as well. I think they're going to they're going to pick up some seats in the fall. OK, Um I did want to get to a couple of other topics. We're starting to run out of time, but uh, let's hear from Robert in North York first. Hi, Robert. Morning. Uh, afternoon. Good afternoon, Trudeau, yeah. Trudeau's the only guy I ever voted for in my life that I wanted to vote for. I always voted for the other person because I didn't like the other guy's policies. It was a negative vote. This was a positive vote. And I'm 60, so think about how many elections I've been through going all the way back to the 70s. Uh, I don't care what he did with SNC-Lavalin. He did it to save jobs. He didn't do it to line his own pockets like so many other politicians in the past have, both provincially and federally. So he's got my vote. He got my vote last time. He's going to get my vote this time. Okay. Here, here. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you. Thank you for bringing that perspective. Thanks, Robert. You're welcome. Okay. Uh, We are starting to run out of time. There are a couple of things that I did want to touch on quickly because... Here are two things that I see as things that should not be political in any universe, and suddenly they are. And I'll start with John Capobianco, and the two things are the food guide, (laughs) the life-saving chocolate milk from Andrew Scheer, the promise to review the food guide, uh, and also now this business around the repairs of 24 Sussex, which is falling down, which successive governments have not repaired because no prime minister wants to look like he's spending millions of dollars. But now the conservatives are at the liberals for not doing the repairs. The repairs are now expensive, but, you know, Stephen Harper didn't fix it either. John Capobianco? 
Well, yeah, you know, Libby, they're all uh, issues that are, uh, you know, elections and, and both Charles and, and Aline will, 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 will probably agree, um, you know, is, is a time of silly, what we call silly season. Um, and, and the campaign is in full, uh, is in full thrust now, uh, notwithstanding the fact that we're still sort of in that, in that unofficial uh, election period. But, you know, given the fact that, uh, that, that it's summer and everybody's out campaigning and the barbecues and a lot of these, a lot of the candidates were gonna, are going to try to sort of, you know, test some of these issues uh, now to see what will stick for for an election campaign, and and I think you know what what Andrew Shear is going to do is he's going to obviously appeal to his base. He's going to try to solidify his base first and foremost going into the election, and and issues of of the food guide and when and in particular dairy uh, speaks to a huge um, uh, voter base, um, quite frankly across Canada, but certainly in Ontario and in Quebec uh, with the dairy farmers. And it's something that obviously is important to uh, to to the party and important to him. Uh, so he's going to put that out there, and I think he's he's getting some some very positive responses from from the dairy farmers and from from his party members. And with respect to Twenty Four Sussex, look, I've I've always believed, and I'm a I'm a, I'm a purist. I believe that uh, we should keep it and fix it. Uh, it's historic. It's a, a symbol of 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 uh, of our country uh, that I'm quite proud of. And, and and you know what? And it's always been a political issue. So I don't blame other prime ministers for not wanting to do anything because obviously it's a money issue. Uh, the fact that the prime minister, uh, I give him credit for, for him wanting to, uh, to not live there in order for it to get fixed. But there's got to be decisions to be made with respect to what has to happen. And I think the problem that we're facing now is, is that, that nothing's coming out of the PMO. They, they made the decision not to live there and, and to get it fixed. But but it's now three to four years later, and I think that there's some decisions that have to be made that aren't being made, which is now costing costing taxpayers more money. I think is the issue. Well, I mean, is it fair to politicize that, Charles Bird? Oh sure, it's politics, right? I mean, <laughs> anything goes. I mean, on, on the question of Twenty Four Sussex and other federal buildings, I mean, it's it it is petty. It's frustrating. I wish there was a way around it. Um, it it seems unreasonable that. Any elected official should have a, a threadbare carpet in their office for 20 years because they're afraid of what opponents might say if they actually have the audacity to have it replaced. But it, it just goes with the territory, unfortunately. On the food guide, that's a little more telling. I hear John on his point about playing to dairy farmers in Quebec, Ontario, British Columbia, elsewhere. But, but there's a bigger issue. And, and that is a, a worldview on the part of conservatives versus liberals that conservatives see efforts like this as intrusion, that what right does the government have to say to Canadians, here are the foods that are good for you. Here are the foods that will keep your children We healthy. all have the right to ignore it. Exactly. And liberals, on the other hand, feel that there is a role there, that it's important to be communicating this kind of information and presenting it in a way that's rational and understandable and could have very meaningful impact on our children and on future health care costs, frankly. Aline. You know, there's that old saying that you know keep politics out of out of the bedrooms and and now you're starting out of to the wonder kitchen. <laughs> if you want to keep it out of the cupboards and keep it out of the fridge and keep it out of the kitchen this is a great wedge issue um, if you are a whole grain farmer in Saskatchewan uh, and you're Andrew Shear you're playing up to your base it's great but Andrew Shear has to recognize whole grains are good he has to recognize that it's going to take more than just winning. Saskatchewan to form government. 
So he'll have to find some other issues to 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 get on. Uh, Food beyond. Guide loves whole grains. It's it's the dairy <laughs> and, and, and and the dairy, right? Mm-hmm. And so he he's gonna he's gonna have to think a little bit outside the box and uh, look for other. I think more substantive issues. This is a bit of a wedge. Um, I can't imagine come October uh, that the food guide is going to be something that Canadians uh, are going to be stomping their fists around. And if we do, the whole world will laugh at us while, while we're dealing with other other serious issues. Um, as it relates to 24 Sussex, uh, look, you're damned if you do, you're damned if you don't. Um, uh, and, uh, you know, what's happened in more recent times is you've seen the prime minister uh, move into a secondary residence. So what does that cost the taxpayers as opposed to... Um, you know, investing in in a part of Canadian heritage, I think that uh, you know could use a little bit of a of a home reno. Um, a but- little bit. It's thirty five million bucks. Uh, Who's going to have to, I'm, I'm going to have to wrap things up and tell people that I'm going to be looking into that question further on Zoomer Weekend Review this coming Sunday and with someone who's an expert in heritage and not a politician who's turning it into a a football. Uh, But right now we are out of time and I would like to thank our panel, John Capobianco, Senior Vice President and Senior Partner, Fleischman Hillard, Hillard High Road, Aleem Kanji, Vice President, Government Relations at Sutherland Corporation, and Charles Bird, Managing Principal at Ernstcliff Strategy Group in Toronto. Thanks, guys. Thank you, Libby. Thanks, Libby. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of Fight Back on Zoomer Radio. Heard weekdays from noon to one. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of Fight Back on Zoomer Radio. Heard weekdays from noon to one. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of Fight Back on Zoomer Radio. Heard weekdays from noon to one. This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show.